0: Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion about rewiring your brain and how understanding your brain will help you fully live your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. As always, welcome to Recovered Life Discussions. My name is Christina Dennis and I am a recovery coach who focuses on uh, childhood patterns that bring people to codependency behaviors. And so, uh, I love uh, recovery and I love the discussions that we have in this room, Um, a couple of ground rules. This is a discussion, so please feel free to come up and join and talk uh, and share your thoughts. Um, But because this room is recorded, I wanna make sure that people feel as safe as possible. So we use first names only and we're always respectful to others. We have been in this particular room, Rewire Your Brain, been doing a deep dive into Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And it's been going on for many months. And if you're new, uh, the chapters have been broken down, I think just at an amazing in-depth conversation level, and they are all available for replay. And so if you've heard of the book, if you haven't heard of the book, um, if you're reading it or if you haven't re- read it, it's okay because we have been taking each chapter uh, and diving into it. And so you are welcome here. I, uh, happy Friday to you, Kathy. I hope you've had a beautiful day.
1: Hello. It's too hot to move, so... Oh it's... no! It is seventy six degrees Fahrenheit in the UK today, uh, which is which is not good for us, <laughs> pasty white people. Uh, mm. it's, it's brutal. Um, so yeah, we're not used to it. But I'm I'm good. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day.
0: That's true. You don't have. I I know that there's been heat waves the last couple of years in Europe, and you don't have the same kind of air conditioning and things like that, that a lot of places have, right? We have no relationship with air conditioning at all.
1: (laughs) Every new build now seems to make provision for it, but, um, and a lot of offices kind of uh, like converted, but I'll shut up.
0: No, no, I think that's so interesting. So one of my favorite parts about Recovered Life and Clubhouse in general, is that we learn what's going on in everybody else's life. So um, I'll jump in. This chapter uh, is named Places We Go to Self-Assess. And just a quick background um, or reminder to people who've been in this room, Brene Brown broke down 84 emotions or words that we describe as emotions uh, in this book. And the purpose of it was to make uh, more meaningful connections. And it's just been a really yummy, conversation uh for i think people in recovery Um, i think it's well known that bernie brown just celebrated 25 years and i just love her approach to vulnerability and shame and i think it's been very very healing for me to deep dive into it and the premise of the book um for way 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 back into chapter one was that when we have correct language um, around feelings, when we have a better understanding of what they mean and what they sound, you know, what they are doing to us, and and uh, then we have a better indication of how we can feel our feelings, move forward. Um, you know, there's a big thing in, in 12 steps that says, you know, feelings aren't facts. Um, and to me you know a lot of times these feelings that I have feel like facts and I know that they're information that helped me move forward in my sobriety and my recovery and so I've just really really enjoyed it and next two weeks we'll be closing it down uh, this entire series based on making meaningful connections so I hope everybody will mark it we'll be back on track um, in recovered life, um, having and hosting our room. So the three emotions are, um, and I are pride, hubris, and humility. And <laughs> if I don't know of um, of a word uh, or or a discussion that if you follow the texts of AA, the Big Book, talks a lot about pride. <clears throat> and humility, Um, and the information around the word hubris was rather new to me, and so I'll just jump into it with this idea that I hope people will come up and kind of share their thoughts um, around this. I know we have varying degrees of recovery in regards to time here, and I think it's so helpful for everyone in the room um, to hear others discuss, so be thinking about that as I describe um, the, the these three words, pride, hubris, and humility. Um, it's interesting that she said, she opens the book by saying, do not Google pride and humility um, unless you wanna go down uh, a sea of memes, you know, Pinterest memes about the dangers of pride or the misgivings of pride. You know, she mentioned the bad, bad corporate slogans in the 80s when you know, greed was good. And, um, and it was very, is totally true um, that we see a lot of people using pride in different ways and humility. Um, even in our big book text, it talks about humble pie And what was very interesting is that most people and most of these memes have it wrong, you know? Um, And I thought that was very, very helpful. So we start off with just a quick comparison of the three words, pride, hubris, and humility. So the actual definition of pride is a feeling or celebration related to our accomplishments and efforts. Uh, hubris is the inflated sense of one's own innate ability that is tied more to the need to dominate than to actual accomplishments and you may have been familiar if you do the same thing with the word hubris as you do with pride and humility you google it you'll see that it's been used since 2016 there's a hint there Um, especially in the world of politics. And uh, then humility (laughs) is an openness to new learning combined with a balanced and accurate assessment of our contributions, including our strengths, our imperfections, and the opportunities to grow. And I just love to stop right there and see what Kathy and Amber you know, what are your initial thoughts when I shared pride, hubris, and humility? um, Kind of the direction you may have thought it because I definitely prior to reading this thought of pride as as something that was, you know, dangerous and not something that we should be looking at. Never thought about the word hubris, except kind of in a, oh, that person's a blowhard or You know they're overstating their accomplishments and then with humility um, i know that my viewpoint on humility has shifted greatly in my recovery but there was a long long period early in recovery where i thought of uh, humility or being humbled or a piece of humble pie were, you know, somebody being served up justice. And my ego was so overblown that I needed to be humbled. So I'd love to see what Kathy thinks. And then Amber, and anybody else who wants to come up? Um, I have come across a fair bit
1: of hubris before, not just myself, (laughs) haha. I did some um, classical Greek uh, in college, in uni, and, it's often tied to shame, and there is a comeuppance for, for hubris in in Greek tragedy always. Um, but those three words are we sh- we would run away. I, I don't know I think I have I have pride with a small P, not a capital P. Um, you you can take pride in in certain things about yourself. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but if it becomes a capital P, that's when you have to that's when you have to worry. Um, and pride should be something that is worked at same as, same as anything. If you take pride in your appearance, if you take pride in your accomplishments, um, you don't just sit there and, and stop you, you know, if, if you do that, that's, that's when you will, um, that's when the fall comes, um, because that's, uh, that's what comes after too much pride. Uh, I think we all know that spiritually and, and, and classically, and it does happen, um, Because the bigger your ego gets, the more like a balloon it is. It's it's big but it's very thin uh, and it's quite easy to to pop. Um, But humility, we were talking about it in another room the other day and it really made me think a lot um, about being humble. And Clubhouse, Clubhouse keeps me humble. Um, Some of the shares I heard when I first started coming in here were like, whoa. Um, I have nothing, nothing to be worrying about. People have it so much harder, and now it's changed in that um, I, I, being humble is is something that again you have to work at, and it's something that Clubhouse provides for me. Uh, I have to come here. I have, I can't get through this sobriety thing without, um, without some help, without some support. Um, And I've always said, I'd always in the past said I shape my own destiny and I I don't, Um, but I can ride the punches a little easier now. Um, So yeah, I think humility and acceptance are two sides of the same coin. Hubris is uh, I've already been through it, <laughs> I think, yeah, I can drink at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, that's that's bit me on the ass. And pride, definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, my friends who are into that kind of thing tell me that my star sign means I am a proud person um, and keep me in check about it. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the discussions today about those three words.
0: Oh, I love it. I, I was so... I had never heard of humility as being an openness to new learning. But I think that's so helpful um, for anybody. Um, And and I just, I loved everything you shared and you have some insight to hubris if you studied Greek mythology because that's, I mean, we'll get into the origin of the word. But it's, that's very, very cool. Um, Amber, welcome. How are you today?
2: Good morning guys. I'm doing well. Um, I, this is interesting. Um, so with pride, I was going to say the first thing that kind of came to me when I think about pride was how much pride I had and, um, how much I could drink (laughs) and all of that and how much I like wore that as a crown. And, um, (laughs) yeah, that was, I was so proud and it's so weird now that it's like knocked me on my on my butt so it's um (laughs) that was a a wrestle that i had to deal with um and it kind of took away a lot of like it sounds weird but like you know when you you have pride and like how hard you can party or you know all the things that you'll go do or you know the kind of parties that you will have or you'll go and and be in and then you get sober or you start recovering or you start getting healthier and that's taken away. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, So I have to feel into this a little bit more. Um, And then with humility, hubris, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that feeling. I don't, I don't understand it, I guess yet. Um, And then humility um i guess the one thing that comes to me with humility is in relationships that i have i think i have brought this up in another room but like i noticed that um you know coming uh being able to connect more with others and in, a, in a, a way with humility um has allowed me to like have better relationships um and kind of not like need somebody to or I don't know just the interactions are um I need to think about what I'm gonna say but uh yeah that's all I have for right now but I I'm I'm listening and I'm allowing myself to kind of think about these these are cool
0: oh thank you thank you so much I love that you brought up the pride in drinking um because I certainly relate to that. And I don't really, I've never really met anybody who, if you are addicted to substance that didn't have that kind of pride. (laughs) I mean, uh, well, I'm sure there are people out there, but you know, I distinctly remember about, I don't know, a couple months before I got sober, you know, the writing was getting on the wall and I was uh, in the uh, hotel business and there was a chef on the line who, was very, very nice and he wanted me to try one of his new dishes. And I remember without even a hitch, I said, Oh no, no, I drink my calories. And I thought it was just so clever and funny. Said, oh no no, I save my calories for drinking. And I was dead serious. And his the look on his face was like shock. And he's, I mean, and in that business, there there are more people who drink like I did than there are that don't. And he said, but that's, that's not good. That's not okay. That's not healthy, Christy. And <laughs> I remember having this instant kind of embarrassment and anger because he was calling me out. And, uh, you know, I can't remember his name, but I certainly remember his face and, uh, now I, I understand how, how dangerous that kind of drinking is. So, um, Kathy brought it up with little p, and I think that's exactly um, what, I, what I think of now with pride. I mean, what I am after I've read this, it's kind of changed my, and so many researchers distinguish hubris from pride by referring to the pride we experience from accomplishments as authentic pride. Authentic pride has a positive connotation um, that, you know, describes, you know, it's meant to see if, you know, like um, accomplishments, mastery, triumph, confidence, and self-worth. It's posi- positively associated with self-esteem. So if somebody has authentic pride, it's it shows that they have a healthy self-esteem and it's negatively Associated with shame proneness, and many of us know um, Brene Brown's work on vulnerability and shame, and and so I just kind of love that term, shame proneness, because I am definitely you know much much more recovered in this area, but I would absolutely say I had shame proneness uh, for many years in my recovery. So the research, the actual research, goes on to explain that we don't just have pride about our own accomplishments that there's actually a family of pride experiences i can feel proud of myself and i can feel proud of you and i can feel proud of of other people or even strangers which i thought that's so that's lovely to think about because i absolutely do feel pride for you know somebody who who uh, overcomes something or who they are, I'm, I'm very proud of my son being a very kind soul. And, um, and so I thought that was kind of interesting to understand. It says that authentic pride is healthy thing. However, there is some kind of confusion around the word pride. Um, and she has a researcher uh, who's named Rhonda and she points out that there's another common way that we use the word pride. That really doesn't fit in with the definition of authentic pride, or the healthy part of pride, and it's it comes into play when somebody says, you know, pride got in the way. And the two examples she uses are a, a, a new college graduate who turns down a job because they thought it was beneath their um, your qualifications. People will call that being too proud. Or, or you'll hear the statement, he was too proud to accept help help when he needed it. And I certainly have experienced that. So which one is right, you know, authentic pride or pride? And they, they went on to explain in this book that it actually, um, the, the, when we use word pride in that circumstance, in that scenario, we're using it improperly um, that there's many feelings that are going on and you need more information around that feeling um, when somebody says pride and and I was curious to see what you two might think about that because I've definitely used that and I think that we use it in the 12 steps as one of the um, you know one of the the character defects Kathy,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about this pride in drinking thing, and I'm wondering. Mm. We, I think, uh, and I've done the same, and I, 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 I would, I would guess a lot of people have done it. I'm wondering, we put that up so people can't shame us, don't we? Mm. Yeah, it's like you making a joke, like I drink my calories. That's that's so nobody can can take you to task about it because you've yeah. already admitted it. it you've you you've faux-admitted it. You've kind of fake-admitted it. Right. It's, if you put it out there, people can't have a cup of it, but that's just a thought off my head. Sorry. No, I love that. It's a self-protective mode. Self-protective huh. and also to protect us from shame. People are shaming us
3: um, yes. publicly,
1: you know? And it's like, how much did you drink last night? <sighs> Quiet night, just two bottles of wine. You, you make mm-hmm. a flippant remark about it, you you take some pride in it, You well, you pretend to take some pride in it, um, and that stops people shaming us, so um, that's just popped up in my
0: head. I like that, thank you. I, anybody who wants to jump up and share and talk about it, please do. Brenda, how are you today?
4: Well, I just wanted to come up and say hello. I'm good, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I think that my early days in program, I, um, my pride came from kind of less healthy things, but then I think now my pride really comes from, um, um, positive things. And what helped me to change was, um, uh, my ex-husband is English and, um, and the, um, a lot of the English, um, you know, don't take a compliment. Well, and, um, you know, it's like, you know, oh, you look pretty in this dress. Oh, oh, oh you know, and and so it really was um, good for kind of helping me to um, uh, be more comfortable with having pride. But, you know, I think that a lot of my pride, the, the good pride comes now in um, my kids' accomplishments or being proud of my kids, which makes me think I should probably have more pride in my accomplishments and actions. But one of my most prideful moments was my, um, daughter was um, doing the meet and greet for Dave cause he's a musician and, um, and, uh, they ran out of food. And so she went in and got the food, which was not her job cause she was running it. And he commented to her that he really liked that. Um, you know, she, um, saw what needed to be done and it wasn't beneath her. And so for me that was just and I mean my kids have done all kinds of amazing things but that was like wow you know I and I think that was one of the best gifts my my dad gave us was that there was really you know nothing beneath us. And um so but I think I have to watch that um I think too much is coming from is is pride for others. So I think I can look at the areas where, um, I'm doing (laughs) well and um, start focusing a little bit um, more on that. And then for me, the um, being overly prideful probably ties in with, um, it would be areas that I was insecure in and just, you know, um, as as you were um, saying, where I'm trying to overcompensate. So very interesting, very thought provoking. Thank
0: you. Oh, you're welcome. Bloom, did you wanna jump in real quick before we move on to hubris?
3: Hi, Christina. Hey everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here again. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. I hope that you can uh, clearly hear me. Uh, actually, it's a nice topic and uh, I would like to give my opinion on the question you just already um, told. And uh, I myself, uh, if I want to explain my op- on my own opinion on that, uh, I would rather say that it's uh, better to um, move on attempting pride uh, as uh, the person needs to be as self-conscious and it's very important to know uh, what you are going to do and uh, know about your emotions. And actually what you are a pride of, a pride of that as, um, just so many things that we are doing in our life and uh, maneuvering on that uh, to represent our uh, dignity or uh, other else stuff. And so I myself um, prefer that authentic pride. As uh, you mentioned, the researchers on different uh, studies I have just um, read before that about uh, these behaviors and, and goal-oriented behavior so and uh, that is uh, my choice and uh, i also uh, actually encourage this uh, kind of attending pride because many movements uh, as we see for example even uh, you can call some sometimes uh, the movements are uh, coming and originating from and uh, this are uh, pride as we see that uh, the newly movements around uh, the, for example, the love for a man or a, a man for man or even a woman for woman. I don't want to eng- tell it is a good one or a bad one. I'm just actually uh, t- explaining my idea that uh, that is kind of, I, I think that we can shift to that as a kind of pride that okay, and the person will uh, actually move on that since uh, he or she thinks that uh, it, it deserves that. Otherwise, then uh, how a person can move on and, and to show or to defend the values he or she has. Uh, so this is my uh, idea. And uh, I, I'm very hopeful and grateful for this. As uh, for example, I, I think that we can have a uh, great movements for that as we, if we know what is uh, the right thing and what we are doing and what we want in our life uh, to to know it and to actually to move on that with that goal and value in our life thank you very much for the time
0: oh thank you so much i agree um that this is important and uh so appreciate you sharing i want to move on to hubris because i wasn't as familiar with this word outside of just thinking that it meant somebody was blowing air you know So hubris is an inflated sense of one's own innate ability that is tied to the need for dominance, not actual accomplishments. It's negatively correlated with positive self-esteem and it's positively correlated with narcissism and shame proneness. The higher the hubris, the lower the self-esteem, the higher the hubris, the higher the narcissism and shame prone, proneness are. Um, dominance, now, I mean, this is kind of interesting to think about. Dominance is a type of status which is coerced through aggression or intimidation. It plays a significant role in hubris. You know, hubristic pride may have evolved to motivate behaviors, thoughts, and feelings oriented toward attaining dominance whereas authentic pride was probably brought into our emotions as a way to orient with obtaining positive or prestige and although Brene Brown says she's not crazy about the word prestige because she thinks it might sound like they're you know being arrogant however prestige status is earned prestige status based leaders are admired for their skills and knowledge which is distinct from dominant status, which is attained by force. So for those of us who are observing hubris in somebody else, it looks and feels terrible. However, to the person who is being hubristic or has hubristic pride, it feels good. They puff up, they bluster, they act superior. here's the thing that that's really interesting for people who are experiencing hubris they don't really care what we think <laughs> hubris has an increased level of dominance and it does not require respect or social acceptance acceptance so we here are saying how can you how can they see that nobody believes them or how can they say these outlandish things And what was interesting is to think about the person who is displaying hubristic pride or bases their value on that, their worth. They don't really care what we think. That's why it's possible. Hubris is positively correlated with narcissism. And in Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, um, she said, she talks about the, you know, this is, of course, a word that's being used in the last six years around politics or politicians but um, narcissism has kind of come into the zeitgeist of our world and I see it all the time on Clubhouse we talk about it in recovered life when I work with people um, who display you know or suffer from codependency sometimes a narcissist will be the you know other person in the relationship and she's and she goes on to explain that while the world is correctly associating the patterns of narcissism narcissism with grandiosity pervasive need for admiration and lack of empathy almost no one understands how the level of severity in this no matter what the level of severity in this diagnosis narcissism is underpinned by shame narcissism is shame-based. And so what what she goes on to explain um, and why I'm using the term narcissism attached to hubristic or hubristic pride is a globalized hubristic pride is categorized by feelings of arrogance, egotism, which is distinct from the achievement and pro-social authentic pride and it is essential for a narcissist to have positive views of themselves but they cannot be connected to actual accomplishment because if they tied how they view themselves to what they actually accomplishment it would be too easy to succumb to shame and low Um, (laughs) self-esteem It seems that this is a foolproof way for people to have, you know, uh, to feel like they have worth in our role because it's not attached to anybody accepting you and it's not attached to any accomplishment. You don't have to have people respect you to have this kind of hubristic pride. Um, But it comes at a very, very high cost because the person who displays hubristic pride actually struggles a great deal they may not need other people to like them you know they but they have to learn how to be bullies Um, and they are very very uh, plagued with chronic anxiety um, which forces them to engage in aggression and hostility and they struggle with intimate partner relationships and they don't have any social support and so I want to hear, Kathy, what you said, because I love what I learned in this book about um, hubristic pride and its its Latin, or its Greek, um, what do you call it, the etymology of a word? Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, hubris uh, was somebody who had such ambition and pride that it offended the gods. And so, I'd love to hear what you said, because I never thought of hubris as so dangerous until reading this book.
1: It, it really is, treat, uh, hubris in, in Greek, um, in classics, in tragedy and, and in mythology is, is, is one of the worst traits you can have, uh, because there's an awareness of it, um, because and it meant, um, I think it meant outrageous um, in Greek. Um, And it's always, if you're, if you are hubristic in in that world, in the classical Greek world, you always, always, always have a fall and it is associated with shame Um, and it carries on with other literature like uh, Dr. Frankenstein or um, that's always a good example. But um, yeah, it's, um, it is in defiance. It is offensive too, because it is putting yourself above your fellow human beings. that, and it, it it is about humiliating and shaming other people. Um, you can't be hubristic on your own. Um, it, it it's always going to involve other people, and that means it should be punished according to Zeus and Hera and all the others. Um, so it's uh, but it is a trait, and we see it. We've seen it more since two thousand and sixteen. Uh, we've seen it in the UK in politics. Um, with our own Prime Minister meeting his end yesterday. Um, his hubris finally caught up with him, um, hopefully, um, and we do see it more and more, and it's uh, they're up to a point that kind of confidence, self-confidence and arrogance is attractive to people. Um, people want to follow people like that, uh, They and they come across as so... Um, their confidence is such that it influences other people. It's like, well, they they sound like they turn and know what they're talking about, so they must be right. <laughs> I get it on Clubhouse all the time. Um, so yeah, it's always visited by shame at some point. Um, even ignorance uh, isn't really a protection for it. If you look at the myth of uh, Oedipus, um, who he did ignore what the uh, seer said, but he, he went uh, ahead and, and followed his own detective story. And uh, his comeuppance was very grisly indeed. Um, if anybody wants me to go into that, just DM me. I won't waste time here. Um, but yeah, hubris is something to be avoided at all costs. Um, and I think the Greeks would say it is—it uh, is something that is you can do something about. I think that's that's the warning that is sent to us in in a lot of literature. Um, there is a point. On that journey, where you can stop, um, and that takes self awareness. And as you say, a narcissist probably doesn't care, probably doesn't realize. But there is a point where you can stop um, and 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 not become that person. Um, yeah, that's enough from me.
0: Yes, I, I was thinking about what you brought up about you know the the pride of drinking so much. Um, and how that was a way to protect ourselves against shame. And, you know, I don't think there's any kind of, oh, this is what, you know, this is what it means, but there's actually physical characteristics um, that in somebody who displays hubristic pride uh, is, is, (laughs) I mean, there's actually a physical pattern. And I think this is very interesting for me to, I'm gonna take some time to think about it on the couple of people that I had relationships with that I felt were narcissistic. And and so I wanna share those because I think it's so fascinating. Um, It talks about, so when somebody is displaying hubristic pride, they have their head downward. They don't look up, which I thought was fascinating when we think about, for me, to think about partners or caregivers that were you know, suffering from narcissism as well as other mental health issues. Um, And they have a wider stance. Isn't that interesting? Like, because they are looking to dominate. It cannot be based in reality because there's no way they would leave it up to actual facts because it's way too important for us, for hubristic people or people who suffer from narcissism to hold on to this, made-up ego um, and they don't smile as much and the reason why I'm sharing that for my sake was that I can tell you that that because that was a wounding when I was a child um, when I entered into uh, you know romantic relationships I can see now looking back at some of the people that um, that I was involved with and see some of those physical characters, um, characteristics. So anybody else want to jump in before we move to humility?
2: Um. Yeah, I, okay, now I understand what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my, I have a, a, I definitely have some people in my family that have had it and I I definitely recognize what you're talking about. Uh, it feels—it's incredibly uneasy to experience. Um, <clears throat> it makes me wonder if I've ever picked up treats from it. Um, but that's—it's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's—I—that's—I uh, remember. I have a, a family member that specifically really portrays a lot of those behaviors and. I just remember feeling like, I never want to be like this person um, because it's incredibly uncomfortable. Um, But I remember they did have kind of like this to other people outside of the family. It was like people saw them a certain way or they they kind of made themselves be seen a certain way. And um, it was also like seeing them behind closed doors was also kind of whole other story. Um, And you really got to see the you know, the shame part of it. Um, so, yeah, this is, I. that's a really fascinating form of pride. I'm going to, it's really, I'm going to look into this.
0: Yes, yes. And knowing, um, knowing that it doesn't really matter, like they don't care about facts is something to consider. Um, and I think that uneasy feeling that you're talking about speaks to the dominance um, when you are, you find yourself involved with, and we've said this before. Only one percent of uh, of people actually have true narcissism. There are a lot of narcissistic-like traits and and behaviors, but only one um, percent truly have it. And um, I can I can look back and see that it was directly tied to shame. But at the time, I was like, "Don't you see? You're hurting me. Don't you?" and And that fear, that that fear inside was because they wanted to dominate. and it's it's very interesting. and we we in this country, and I know Kathy in your country, the, we base our social interactions on a dominance model, anyway. Um, and so there is truly a lot of history behind it. And as somebody who's in recovery, it's kind of interesting to think about it to think that to look at your own stuff and see if there have been times where there was, you know, I had hubristic pride and a lot of it was fear. Um, but it is it is interesting. And I want to move on to humility because I love the idea of humility being something positive. Um, and so Humility, it comes from the Latin word, "humilitas," and it is a word that means a groundedness. Uh, It is quieter and more genuine, and it is so much more powerful than hubris, which I think is good to remember. Um, We get it wrong a lot when we talk about humiliation and those words because the true definition is humility is an openness to learning with a balance of an accurate assessment of our contributions, including our strengths, imperfections, and opportunities for growth. And unlike pride, it includes both negative. That doesn't mean that pride is, um, isn't healthy. But you know, true humility actually sums, you know actually encompasses everything that's true about ourselves. And I think that's the authentic person that shows up. And she boils it down to one sentence um, in all of her research. Because Remember, she researched thousands and thousands of people who wanted to discuss this. And it's um, the sentence she shared is, I am here to get it right, not to be right. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to say what healthy hu- humility looks like. And, um, you know, I know in in 12 Steps and in some of the codependence recovery or Al-Anon, you know, and, and out there just in the world, we often hear, and I've been told this myself, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? And <clears throat> for many, many cases of disturbances or disagreements with somebody, I use that as a, a marker um, for, for looking at... Um, At like how important is it for me to be right Um, and so it's different than pride since we focus on the you know pride means that you focus on entirely on positives but there is a term out there that I think um, Kathy was kind of alluding to and I feel this very strongly especially later in my recovery recovery because this allowed me to stay right sized which is a word we use in 12 steps a lot and it says the term intellectual humility refers to specifically to a willingness to consider information that doesn't fit with our current thinking people who demonstrate intellectual humility do not lack confidence or conviction many of them still have a very strong viewpoint but are also open to understanding other points of view they are curious and willing to adjust their beliefs when faced with new conflicting new or conflicting information humility allows us to admit when we are wrong and when we realize that it is more important for us to get it right than to be right Um, and i I just love what she shared there and i'm going to open it up i know emerald just joined us to get some feedback about it because um, although she doesn't go into it in this chapter it definitely strikes me um, what humiliation you know that word is used for or even in our big book text about humble pie so I'm gonna shut up and let others share um, we can start with Emerald since you're new to the stage what are your thoughts
5: Thanks so much, Christina, um, for bringing me up. And um, I think my app was messing up earlier, but there were a few things that you mentioned um, as I've been listening that I was really able to resonate with. Um, First, um, uh, one thing that you had mentioned in the beginning was uh, a place for reflection. And I really resonated with that because with my writing, um, anytime I am bringing something um, to the forefront or even um, at a time where I'm feeling overwhelmed, I really have to find a place that I find um, peaceful. Um, Even if it is a place where there's a lot of activity, if I find it peaceful, it really does help me with organizing my thoughts and understanding what's happening and what what actions I need to do in order to keep moving things forward. Um, right now, obviously, I'm in a bit of an overwhelmed phase. Um, Courts on Monday, so wish me lots of luck, y'all, for a great positive energy and some vibrations for that. Um, and I meet with my attorney today. So um, one thing that you did mention that kind of resonated with that is I um, really do work hard at, um, and you know about um, being assertive with communication and sometimes Um, There is the character of Emerald Khan that is super kind and super nice and really people pleasing. And then there's the real person Emerald Khan that's like, damn it, I'm not here for the, I'm not with it, you know what I'm saying? And there's like this little piece of turmoil sometimes depending on who I'm speaking with, where I get caught in this little jumble of emotion. And um, it, it, there's not escape like there's not always a quick escape route, you know what I mean? To like duck off and finding the appropriate emotion at a quick moment or the appropriate response in a quick moment can sometimes be really challenging. So, um, but the reason I brought that up is because there's this piece of ego that I've really been hearing in there um, where it's like, it's almost like a protective thing for the person that is walking around in this shame, you know what I mean? Um, and this guilt and this emotion, and it's like, okay, here's my, here's my, here's what you're gonna see, and this is what I've got, this is what I'm gonna give you. So that's all you're gonna see. Um, and then dealing with internal turmoil, and um, I, I just thought that was really, really interesting because um, being being an entertainer and having living a double life, in a matter of speaking, literally, um, it just reminds me of how. Um, People put that front up. You know what I mean to protect themselves, so that folks don't know who they are. Um, and you can't. Sometimes people will resonate with the character more um, because that's all they get to see. Um, and so when they, when you are being yourself, they just don't know who you are. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I, 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 it makes sense for me uh, because it was it was really impactful, especially especially speaking of. Um, that sense of pride that is disabling in a matter of speaking because it it's it's more fueled towards that short-term gain and less towards that long-term goal you know um, and and i I resonated with that and um, in the aspect of the the Greek mythology like that visualization was super dope for me. so I wanted to thank you all for those points and um, just kind of, let you know kind of where I am and and uh, do my check in, <laughs> and um and and I really appreciated uh, these uh, these reads today and these points. So thank you so much. I'm Emerald and I'm done.
0: Thank you, Emerald. Um, I so I so appreciate you checking in, and of course we will send you positive thoughts for Monday. Um, I. Um, I'm going to actually share, because I want to leave a little room for anybody who wants to do reflections, uh, the three points that she left this chapter with. Um, Of course, I'm listening it to on Audible and have taken massive amounts of notes because it's just been so cool to really dive deep. There are things that I have learned, you know, like the resentment family is envy. Um, and so anybody who's just discovered this series, please go back and listen to the replays because I think that it's been very powerful. But this is, uh, this is what she wants for us to leave behind, um, that hubris is benign form of supersized pride. It's actually dangerous. Um, and I think that's very affirming for me uh, to think about why some people don't. I don't feel safe around um, at all and how I have learned how to listen to my nervous system and don't need to have reasons, you know, to walk away. It may explain why, you know, we feel fear when we think about these politicians that have throngs of people following them and it's confused. Uh, we want to leave behind the idea that pride is bad for us and that humility is weakness. Um, The three main points are pride can be good for us. Hubris is dangerous. And humility is the key to grounded confidence and healthy relationships. And with that, I want to turn it over to Kathy or anybody else who wants to speak up about um, kind of your final thoughts. Um, I'm seeing hubris unfold
1: as we speak because we have a, a leadership uh, a, a race for the next Prime Minister in this country and people who are clearly underqualified uh, by quite some distance are putting their hat in their ring. Um, I'm getting news alerts every 30 seconds pretty much so I'm I'm quite enjoying watching it in action um, at the moment. Um, these are great topics and I, I would strongly recommend um, reading more about them especially hubris um it it's absolutely fascinating um i i have fond memories of of studying it um and i hope i i've learned something from that and i've definitely learned something from this room today um about what to avoid and and what to what to not panic about if it becomes self-evident in your in your character because we can all work on these things so um that's 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 my final word for today
0: Thank you. I love that. We can all work on these things um, you know the 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 thought that comes to me is that once again we're living in different areas of gray that things are never as black and white, and um, that includes uh these words that perhaps have have uh, been given powers that they don't deserve like pride and just for us to continue to dive deeper into what what feels right to us and amber did you want to um reply or yeah i
2: was just thinking um you know some of these it's it's really interesting to talk about some of these like um pride and hubris and humility because in a way they can be used for ourselves to kind of keep away connection and to like, um, you know, their defense mechanisms or they're not used properly or they're, um, yeah, and I think it's really good that we can talk about them and understand where the shame is coming from or the, uh, you know, the underlining factors of them because then we can kind of bring connection back to where it needs to be, you know, because um, I know that Especially when I was in in my in my struggles, like I had a lot of narcissistic qualities, and I and I treated you know that's how, that's just how I was. It was a lot of things that I was trying to protect myself from and such, and so. Um, but then you know, looking at the shame and also being able to kind of move through these uncomfortable feelings and um, talk about them like we are, you know, it's it's honestly opened up so much more room for connection and, um, and intention, you know, and mm-hmm. I love the part that you said, Christina, about um, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? That's a big one. That's so big. And I love that because I've had to feel I know exactly what that feels like, too. And to make that decision. Um, it's just like really powerful and I think it kind of empowers the other person too because it's like, I don't know, it's just like puts us, it's like empowering both of us, you know, like in a way because it's, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, this is, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to be thinking about this today.
0: Wow, that, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is about having more meaningful connections um, and, and understanding what. Uh, each of us is going through, and I'd love to have a room on um, narcissism and shame, because I think that, you know, Amber, through your honesty, you really opened up a door that needs to be discussed, especially through the lens of addiction, um, and some of the behaviors that we have participated in that were narcissistic, narcissistic-like, narcissistic and um, and just that, that huge confusion um, around that and, and knowing that the base of a lot of our bad behaviors is shame is definitely worth probably having a year worth of conversations for healing. Um, and with that, we're at the top of the hour. Thank you everyone who came. Um, we will be back next week in the Recovered Life discussions. I haven't been able to figure out this new template to pin a link but um, please dm me and you'll get a personal invitation to our community off of clubhouse where um, where we you know use different types of platforms to stay connected and to be open and to learn about each other and to support each other but if you Um, haven't joined it's recoveredlife.us and I would love to meet you Um, I know a lot of the people in this room but uh, I will tell you that this is a very very cool option Um, especially if you're new to recovery or if you've had some time um, we get to ask each other questions and kind of dive deeper into some of these these other subjects that are very, very important for us healing. It's very obvious in our world today that many, many people are hurting. And uh, although I, this is not a political room, um, I know that my, my bringing up, my willingness to be, you know, have intellectual humility and show up for others is part of the solution and so i very much encourage you if you haven't joined recovered life please do reach out to me directly um and let's continue to show up for each other next week we'll be back on monday at 9 a.m where we plan 9 a.m pacific uh where we plan our sober week and our intentions uh for the week and then tuesday we will be back kind of wrapping up the connection part of this book. which Amber gave us a fabulous preview of that. And then Wednesday, we'll be back with Setting Healthy Boundaries, where we discuss all things recovery um, with codependency and adult children of addicts and dysfunctional families.
4: If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough Six Week Transformation Concierge Coaching Program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on Concierge Coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free Get-To-Know-You call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about Recovery Breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us.
3: That's recoveredlife.us.